I wouldn't even know how to do that. What do you do? Just like walk up to random people and go, hey, blah, 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 sports. Welcome to Dynasty Sports Empire, the podcast, a part of the DynastySportsEmpire.com podcast network. Dare I say, the flagship podcast of the Dynasty Sports Empire podcast network. We bring you the latest in sports and fantasy sports, shall we say, a lighter approach to what most people consider a very serious undertaking. On the show today, episode 9494, recording on February 15th, 2023. The Super Bowl recap, that happened. Uh, quarterback and coaching carousel in the NFL now heating up because the Super Bowl is over. Baseball season now uh, with the Super Bowl over is coming up and they have some rule changes. We got to get right into that. All right. So let's get into it. As always, I'm your host, Jeff Roman. Alongside me tonight and every night is a guy who has who had the octopus yes at eight to one in the Super Bowl. Tim Reinhardt, welcome, Tim. All right. So I, I still don't. You texted me the octopus and. I need. To, I still need clarification on what this is. So the so octopus. The octopus is. Um. So when a player scores a touchdown, yes, and then the same player scores the two point conversion, that is an octopus because of the eight. So the eight points. Eight points. Yeah, I never knew what it was until everybody was screaming that it had happened in octopus. the Super Bowl with Jalen Hurts right. rushing for the thing. And, you know, because it doesn't happen that much. So people, you know, the the no odds are pretty, you know, easy. So um, it did happen. A doink did happen. A doink. Um, you were you were rooting for that one hard. And, and it <laughs> happened. I, that was one of those other ones where they're like, ah, that never happens. And then it was and like right doinked. off the bat. First quarter, they doinked. It was great. Hmm. So excuse me, taking a drink. Um, so let's talk about the game. Yeah. Um, we can, and we can talk about ridiculous uh, uh, props later. But obviously, anybody who wasn't under a uh, a rock for the last week, um, the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the Philadelphia Eagles. So um, in a, in a pretty tight game, I think it was a fun game. Um, all in all, uh, all yeah. things considered, on the top top half, top third of of all. Uh, Super Bowls, um, a really exciting game. Both of us had the Chiefs. I think when it came down to it, our handicap was pretty simple, and one team had Patrick Mahomes, and the other team did not. And that's that's pretty much kind of how that's, it ended that's up. That's kind of why the game um, yeah, was the way it was, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, I think let's let's get into a couple of, of key moments. I think, um, and we'll just kind of use that as as a vector to talk about. Uh, what happened in the game? Yes. Uh, so the first kind of big moment that I can think of was uh, Jalen Hurts' fumble the uh, in the error. second quarter. Yeah, where he just kind of dropped the ball, um, you know, and returned to Nick Bolton for a touchdown. That I think changed the whole game because at first the in the first half the Eagles basically dominated, but they went into the half uh, only up ten, which really. It, you know, it's the Chiefs, so it didn't feel like that much. Obviously, people are are, are dropping stats like, you know, a team leading by 10 at halftime is 94-1 and one and la, la, la. But I was thinking back to the, the 49ers uh, Chiefs Super Bowl sure. where the 49ers were up 10, I believe, in the fourth quarter. Um, and, and the Chiefs 
you know, overcame that to defeat them. So I didn't think that was a huge uh, deficit. And I felt like even though uh, the Eagles dominated the first half, they just, it didn't dominate the scoreboard. Yeah, that, that play, I, I don't want to call it a 14 point swing because we obviously don't know what would have happened. But at that point in the game, yeah, um, it was, was it 14 seven at that point? Yes, yes, that made it fourteen seven Chiefs. So that's um, I mean, it, it's it's the, like you said, it's the first big turning point, and it's it's especially, you know, for um, Jalen Hurts, like that really, I don't know, I think that's like the one mistake you can point to that he made in the whole game. He played, he played excellent, um, through a lot of a lot of really nice passes, um. I think he answered a lot of the questions. It's just it's unfortunate that he put the ball on the ground in an unforced error type way. Um, so definite, definite turning point. Definite, like I guess one, like the one. What do you call it? Blemish. That's it on on Jalen Hurts' game. Yeah, and I think I the other half of the handicap that I had for the game was that Jalen Hurts hasn't been accurate since he came back from his shoulder injury, you know, in the last game of the regular season and, you know, had several weeks off, including the two weeks off before the Super Bowl. And I didn't expect him to be back uh, to throwing the deep ball accurately. And it turns out he was, and, uh, you know, tremendous amount of credit to him. We've seen him, you know, in situations like the national championship game coming out and being, you know, just kind of cool and calm and and handling uh, the situation when he's, he's thrust into it. So, I didn't. I thought um, certainly mentally he would have it under control, but physically he he did have um, yeah, he, a really he good great. game, except for this one thing. Which I mean, you know, sometimes I, you know guys just drop the ball. It's like one of those things that you know scoop and score. I think was even more than eight to one. So it's not something that happens very often. Um, but uh, you know, Jalen Hurts played played a tremendous game, and I think you know if they had kept going you know, they would have kept going back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, if they had a fifth quarter and whatever, right. And such like that. So, um, so halftime, right. So we get to halftime, uh, your, your impressions of the Rihanna halftime festivities. I loved it. I, thought, Rihanna, it, I thought it was great. Um, I was hoping that when, cause I knew that Jay-Z was in attendance. I was hoping when run this town, um came on that he was gonna make a guest appearance um but i guess that wasn't in the cards um i mean i there there were definitely a a lot of like it had everything a halftime show needs it had some bells and whistles these floating stages it had interestingly dressed side dance acts um and all the bangers you know like all, all the all the hits that Rihanna, um, that w- all the hits that she has, and so uh, I mean, I thought I found it very entertaining. What was your take? Yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was a very good halftime show. Uh, you know, Rihanna has so many good hits that she could, you know, go over 10, 11 songs and and still have ones that you've heard on the radio, even just throughout throughout life, or heard in the grocery store or whatever, um, and they're yeah. all great. I think, um, you know, obviously quite impressive to be uh, suspended on what I believe was a clear platform about, you know, who knows how far, how far up in the air that was. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine, 
you know, being that high up in the air and, right. uh, you know, having to keep your focus and, and perform. So, uh, I did enjoy that obviously, you know, that she teased a special guest, right? So that's probably why you thought it was Jay-Z, but it turns out after the halftime show publicist, you know, uh, announces that she is pregnant. So that was her special guest that she brought, I guess, to the, uh, to the halftime show. Um, and clever, right. I clever was, way to was, let the world know. Yeah. And I, if somebody, I was listening to a podcast and they, they said this, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm going to go with it, is that their performance, all these guys dressed in white, right, mm-hmm. are the, uh, you know, uh, sperm, her being the only person in another color, uh, and one of them, right, being the egg. And if we were in health class, you know, we could learn about mm-hmm. how that happens. I was wondering... They were wondering if that was kind of an allegory to, uh, you know, a reference to that, that, that she is also wow. with child. That's, so, that's a deep uh, cut. I, I didn't even yeah. think of that. Um, I didn't either, but we kept looking at the outfits that the, the side dancers were wearing. We we're like, why are they wearing these ridiculous, like kind of white uh, coveralls, so to speak, uh, puffy and stuff. So um, I, I don't know. I, I'm not an artist. I'm not an art person or, uh, you know, uh, whatever you would need, uh, uh, to analyze some sort of, uh, allegory there. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that, over, what, what, over eight, what over eight and a half songs. Uh, what would the yeah. odds have been for that one? <laughs> that the co- pretty high, pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> the costumes yeah. represent the fertility process. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is the, yeah. What is the, the theme going to be? Oh, my I, goodness. You could have picked, you could have picked a thousand themes and I never would have guessed. Yeah. That. Um, even after watching it, uh, it took me a while to figure out like, Oh yeah, you're right. Um, so that was, you know, started with better have my money and ended with diamonds that was leaked. Um, I think even before we, we had our, uh, broadcast, uh, last week, um, and over eight and a half songs went through 10, 12 songs. Maybe. Yeah, it was, uh, Um, it was up there. All of that was all leaked. All that was all leaked ahead of time. Um, so that was, that was good. Good performance. Um, so obviously the chiefs get the ball first, they defer, you know, and get the ball first in the second half and they, yeah. And so they charge down very quickly and get a touchdown. Um, and it goes back and forth and back and forth. I guess we can just go ahead and fast forward to, um, the end of the game here. If you want Tim, unless you have, well, let's, I mean, that let's, that, that second half and those adjustments, um, were incredible. I think it was Patrick yep. Mahomes had one, one, incomplete. one incomplete pass on a play that now that I've watched that sequence a couple times, I'm pretty convinced was just there to set up the next play. Like I don't I don't even think they it obviously they would have taken a score on that, but like that was right. the one where he threw it out of the end zone um yep. on second down and they had they had done a jet sweep motion the pl- that on mm. that play with Sky mm-hmm. Moore in the same direction um, that he would fake it on the next play. So I think they were, they, I'm sure, yes, they had a play called that if it had worked great, but the intent of that play in my mind was to set up the next play. And those were, um, you know, I guess, I wonder why like teams don't run something that, that that's that simple more 
Be, uh, you know, maybe right. other teams don't do that sort of com- what looks like a complex switch of of positions on defense. But you know, I I saw a thing that said that uh, they dug dug deep into Doug Peterson week four against the Eagles, and they ran that play, and they basically mm-hmm. stole it from him and ran it twice. Same play, other side. Right. I, I, yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I love that play so much because the timing has to be so perfect because when you bring the player in motion, you know, the, you know, they know based on the previous play and other times that the Eagles are going to switch, right? They're going to switch the players that are covering them. Yeah. But the Eagles are assuming the player will continue to go. And so because as soon he's as the still play, running the, the snap, yeah. yeah. He's still running at the snap. So they're, they're adjusting, assuming he's going to come across. Um, but to like just stop on a dime while they're mid switch and cut back the other way. I mean, it's like, I don't, unless you don't switch, I don't know how you stop that. Right. Like, and then that opens up other things when you're afraid of that and you don't switch, then you get, you know, mismatches in other ways. So like, it's just one of those kind of designs that is once I saw it, I was like, this like is so brilliant because like you're, you're inside short yardage. And if you can get basically a, a free touchdown, right? Like you, you gotta, you gotta have that. So that was a, such a, such a good um, design that was based on, you know, the tendencies and the timing was just absolutely perfect so that they didn't have time to even switch. And so, you know, nobody was even moving in the direction of the person outside while Tony and Sky Moore were headed in the right direction. And they just didn't, you know, even if they had followed, they just wouldn't even had a chance. So it was uh, just absolutely perfect. Yep. Those were, those were cool plays. And I, I, yeah, that just that second half was masterful uh, dismantling of the Eagles defense. And, And that's not something that many teams were capable of doing all year. Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about that a little bit too because I think there's a couple of interesting things about that. In that, um, number one, right, the Eagles' strength of their defense is based on their defensive line. Um, you know, the rest, their linebackers are probably the weakest. Their their corners and safeties are are good, but the strength is there in the defensive line. Mm-hmm. And you know, what I'll ask you this question: What percentage would you say? give to the Eagles kind of having a down game for the defensive line. Number one, the, the field conditions being like horrendous. Um, number two, the uh, offensive line of the chiefs and number three, the play calling and play design. What percent would you give to each of those um, for Eagles defensive line performance? The line. I'm sorry. The, the field 10%, the others pretty uh so then we'll go um just being outplayed by the offensive line 30%, the play calling and scheming 60. I think this was uh yeah, okay. this was an Andy yeah. Reid win in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean Eric I, th- I win. think you know yeah, there there was never a, a case where he was he being Patrick Mahomes was holding the ball for a long time and getting threatened, even threatened with a sack, right? Um, no sacks on the game. That was another one of those that, uh, 
that was a high odds thing. So there's a couple of weird high odds things in this game. Um, another one was Eagles, no sacks. I think that was like 11 to one or something. Yeah. I mean, um, and they had the most sacks in the NFL, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the third most sacks in, in history since they've been keeping sacks. So um, that, that alone pretty much made it so simple for the chiefs. And they had obviously, as we talked about other things that schemed up that had uh, gave the uh, corners and safeties problems as well. So uh, the chiefs offense was just tremendous. Patrick Mahomes is like, you know, uh, the top of the top tier of quarterbacks currently playing. And he's going to probably move himself into the top of the top tier who had ever played. But let's, let's talk about the game a little bit. We can come back to that. Uh, speaking of unstoppable plays, the Eagles had one as well, which uh, I affectionately call the tush push um, yes. where, you know, the, the Eagles line up and uh, Jalen hurts uh, just has a couple guys push him over the line. They, they ended up getting uh, going for like, uh, they scored, I think from the four yard line on that one as well. One time. So they, they, what do they, they do? were getting Half quite a bit of push like, <laughs> Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, anytime you need one yard, you know, like it's a, it's a 90% a conversion rate on the season. I think they only missed it once. Um, so, uh, you know, why would you stop? I guess. So let, let's talk about a macro question on that. Do you, a lot of people have been talking about that they want to ban this. What do you think about that? So the only argument well, so one of the one of the arguments that I've, I guess, heard about banning it that like makes sense is that in other um, settings in the football game you cannot do that. So like they've banned on extra points, for example, or field goal attempts, um, a defensive lineman lining up behind another and pushing them forward. They can, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, there is like that precedent. Um, and I feel like that you couldn't do that for like a while. I, I vaguely remember that not being allowed. Maybe I'm making that up like a long time ago, but I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not one of those people that like, feels that that needs to be legislated out of the game just yet. I guess there is precedent if they do want to do that, but I'm not sure what the reason would be because it's boring right. because like, what's the, you know, I, I don't know. Like it's, yeah. it's going to be like, all right, well now the defense figures out uh, that. And then I guess like it'll next year, it might open up to, like snapping the ball, running a pitch on the outside, or like uh, right. one of the two guys. Which the Eagles had did. Yeah. They did a couple times. Yeah, which they, they showed that they could do other stuff out of that formation. Um, right. So I, I, I think, well, you know, this has already gotten obviously around the NFL. I think if other teams can get to the Eagles level, or maybe even 80%, right, I think it'll lead to more teams going for fourth downs, um, which will lead to more fun games and less punting uh, and less long field goals. So I think that that part of it would be a win. Um, I don't see a reason to ban it other than, well, this is, this is like a cheat code, right? It's, it's too easy 
to get one yard. <laughs> um, right. But again, you know, one yard is one yard. And what you said, you know, what you say is true is where the defense is kind of playing traditional defense where the, you know, the Eagles are not right. They're cutting all the defensive linemen and then pushing a guy over the top. Right. So I'm sure that there's a defense that you could train to not do that. Right. You have all your guys jump over or, you know, something you saw in the game, Chris Jones got, got one and they still got a first down, right. He got over the top and, and kind of pulled on him. So I think there are counter there, you know, just like anything that looks amazing until people figure out how to counter it. So I I, I don't think you should ban it. Yeah. I would rather ban the one where like the tight end comes in motion and then lines up on her center. I'd rather ban that. Like, I feel like that's deceptive because somebody's already lined Mm -hmm. up as the quarterback, you know, like that, that one I'd rather see go the, the Jalen hurts push play. I'm I'm not I'm not there yet. Yeah. I'm with you. Okay. So let's uh so we fast forward to the end here. So let's let's kind of get down to the the talking point that that most people are talking about which is um well, first of all, before that, I think the play of the game and it's a little bit overshadowed by the the penalty was um Patrick Mahomes scramble for yeah. 24 or whatever yards. So that one from like the 50 to like 20, right? Yep. That one from that one from, I don't know if they'll be able to get a field goal too. Oh, they're definitely in field goal range. Like a, a tremendous scramble on an injured ankle that he had re-injured earlier. Um, looked tremendous coming out of the, the locker room, no limp at all. And just ran full speed, um, you know, right up the middle and dodged and, and was able to get that, that 20 some odd yards to get them, solidly inside a field goal range. So yes. I thought that that to me was like the play of the game, honestly, that changed uh, the win probability from, yeah. you know, maybe to definitely. <laughs> um, right. And so do you have anything on that before we go? To I, I just think it was, uh, I mean, and I don't know. I, I don't know what defense you're running. I mean, I guess you're playing man to man and, you're going to get burnt. Like it happens yep. all the time in the NFL where you got to, and you know, maybe they just thought he wasn't going to be able to be that mobile and, but he was, and you're right. That, that is the, to me, the biggest play of the game. Yep. Yep. Um, so the next then big, biggest play of the game was, I think the next play after that. So, um, you know, they throw kind of a, um, a circle route to Juju Smith shooter who was, uh, held by James Bradbury. He admitted it afterwards, I think magnanimously more magnanimously than he, um, probably needed to, but yeah. he admitted that he held him. Um, and they throw a flag there. Um, I, you know, I was, I was texting you pretty like salty about it. Uh, during the Super Bowl, but I think I've kind of come around. I figured out my my feelings on this, and I think it was more born out of disappointment. I think um, because with that penalty, uh, the the Chiefs were able to get down inside the game's one over. with a Jarek McKinnon run, and then and then a couple of kneels, and the game's over. Versus if that had actually gone incomplete, the Eagles have a minute and a half plus and one time and out. one timeout. And I really, I think 
that finish to the game would have been more exciting and better than the way it did end. I think that's, I, yeah, yeah. I was looking forward to that kind of rebuttal by the Eagles and that never happened. Yeah. So I guess what I, what I ended up texting you was like, you know, this was, this is sort of what I was talking about last week. Like you, you either are calling like you, you can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't have, like if if you thought that the personal foul late hit the t- uh, previous game on Patrick Mahomes was was a good call, then that holding was a good call. Like you, the, the NFL has to be consistent. Like that that's what's so like bizarre about um, about some of these like oh you got to swallow the whistle here like arguments is like well where does that where does the egregiousness end yep i mean or like where where is that line and who who decides what that line is so like you have to either swallow the whistle on all those types of plays or in in any and not just and not just um not just holding and pass interference but late hits and face masks and all these other things um Or you have to call it by the book, and that was a hold. I mean, yeah. So it's it's one of those like it's it's a difficult way for the game to end. Agreed. Um, I do think he was he was held, and I mean, I, I sent you that video of, and I forgot it had happened of last year's Super Bowl where the Rams got a first down. Similar, almost, almost same exact situation. A uh, minute to go, only they were down four. They needed a touchdown, and it would have. Uh, the Rams were on third down. They were going to have fourth down in goal, I think. Um, down four, um, and uh, there was a. I forget who it was. The linebacker broke up the pass and got called for either interference or holding. Don't remember. And that one was right. way less egregious than yeah. that. Like you can you can pause the tape and see a handful of jersey, like, right. um, and that's what the referee saw. And I mean, I think that's why the flag came out. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting to compare this one to that one because um, I think the Eagles, from a game theory perspective, probably would have rather just let Juju sister score the Juju score there and they have the ball with two minutes, you know, less than two minutes left and two timeouts or whatever they had there one timeout. Um, then, you know, get the ball with eight seconds left down three. Right. So um, you almost feel like the penalty hurt him more than if he had just let him go and had him score a touchdown, you know, yes. but you know, that's not how the human mind works in the moment. <laughs> yeah. It's so, tough to... um, you know, it's one of those one of those things that just you know it's tough, and I think you know a great game. I think we without that last gasp Eagles drive, I think we missed out on maybe a classic, uh, so. right? Uh, uh, one of the one of the great finishes, uh, yeah, or it could have been one of the great finishes, yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's what I was reacting to. Um, all right, so anything else coming out of this game? I guess the one thing is. Um, 
that I have have thought about a little bit since this is what would you put Patrick Mahomes has two Super Bowls. What would you put uh, the over under on his Super Bowls, Super Bowl championships, Super Bowl rings? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but- championships for the rest of his career. How many would you think? Over under. How many additional? Additional. Um, I'll give you a number. You tell me over under. Three mm-hmm. and a half. Ooh, three and a half additional. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I was thinking more like uh, one and a half. So I'll go under. I think he gets yeah. two or three more, but not three and a half. Yeah. I, th- I think, I mean, it's it's only going to get harder. Um, so, and, and I think, yeah, the other thing is that Andy Reed, you know, is getting up there in age, you know, he's accomplished quite a bit. This is his second Super Bowl. He's been to four now. Has he been to four now? Uh, he's been one, to two. three with the chiefs and one with the Eagles. Yeah. yeah. He's been to four. So, you know, I think he and Mahomes are so like in sync with their, their offense that, even if they pass it on to somebody like Eric Bieniemy, who's running the same offense, I think there there has to be a little bit of a drop off at towards the end of Mahomes' career, provided Andy Reid retires. That was the other thing I was thinking about. Interesting, well. yeah. So he's twenty seven, I think. Um, you yep. gotta assume he's got at least eight more good years left. Um, I mean, I could see him getting up to five total. Um, but yeah, if, if, if it was three and a half, I think the under is the play. Um, three and a half additional ones. I, I mean, don't forget Joe Burrow is also in right. this, is also in this conference. Right. They, I mean, they have an amazing, com- amazing conference for quarterbacks with, yeah. you know, Burrow, Allen, Allen. and e- even, you know, um, Herbert, if you count Herbert, um, right. or as a, as a good quarter, what if quarterback uh, will be there for, for what if Denver time. figures it out? Like, right. You know, what yep. if the jets get Aaron Rodgers? Uh, right. Like, you know, a couple of there's Trevor. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence you know, right. Uh, forgot about him well, already. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of competition in there. I think, you know, the, um, I think they'll, they're certainly already the favorite. Um, and they have, I think, somebody said 11 picks in this draft. So I know you called it last year that they traded away Tyreek Hill and they would be better. And they were better. I think Um, with a quarterback like Mahomes, his ability to get it to whoever is open and you just can't with a player like Kelsey who needs, you know, permanent attention, you can't cover everybody else. So Mahomes is going to be able to extend the play and get it to anybody. Noah Gray, Smith Schuster, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, who wasn't even on the team um, at the beginning of the year. Right. So I, I think um, you know having Mahomes is just such a uh, such a cheat it's code a game changer. for yeah for, for them. I think it just makes it makes it so much easier for them to uh, to be kind of uh, you know they've hosted five straight AFC Championship games. Unbelievable. <laughs> so um, you know it could quite. Could be six, uh, with with how they can rebuild and and retool, even add add pieces to their wide receivers. Yeah. Um. All right. So I guess on the other side, uh, the Eagles' future. What do you What do you see there when you look into your uh, 
crystal ball? Um, I mean, I, I like, I like Jalen hurts. I, I think, uh, he's probably only going to get better. Um, so I, I don't, you know, I, I know they have like questions defensively. I think a couple contracts are up. Um, and they're going to, you know, this maybe is a good piggyback into the coach carousel conversation because yeah, they're, they're going to, they're, they're losing both their coordinators. Um, so that's going to be a, a change, but you know, he's, he's Jalen hurts is, uh, an MVP candidate with two number one receivers. Uh, it's hard to say that they're not going to be in the conversation again next year. Right. And I think um, next year will be uh, the last year of a, a four-year, $6 million deal um, right, the for rookie, Jalen Hurts. The rookie contract. The, the rookie and not even a first-round rookie, right? Yeah. Uh, Second-round second rookie. Um, so that allows them to spend more next year. They'll certainly sign him to an extension. I'm not sure how big. In, in a way, uh, it'd be better for the team if it was a first-rounder because they'd have him for – Right. Another they year, fifth year option. Yeah, they have the fifth year option. Um, but it seems like they'll sign him to extension. Yeah. But his cap hit will still be quite low next year. So I think they have some defensive free agents. Um, their offense should pretty much stick together. Uh, so that I think they are also set up. To be perfectly honest, they have a top ten draft pick, right? And they have you know two first rounders, including a top ten. So. They can they can add more young talent to their team quite easily as well. Uh, so I don't think I don't think they're going to tail off at all. Uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, if he continues at this level or you know at the level that he played in the Super Bowl, they're going to be they're going to be quite fine. Uh, yeah, in a, in a relatively you know we talk about the AFC, the NFC is relatively unsettled, right? Um, with pretty good teams in, in the NFC East, uh, but NFC South is pretty down. Mm-hmm. NFC North has Minnesota as a good team, uh, Detroit as a good team, and in the West, it's San Francisco. Uh, you know, who knows where you get out of an aging Rams team. Seattle's rebuilding. They're probably a, a good team, maybe. Um, so the opportunity in, a, in the NFC is quite quite good for them going forward so yeah i i their, their future is bright as well i think so i think you're right all right so let's let's talk about then the the coaches that have left the eagles so um into the carousel portion of our of our evening um let's put the quarter so in. She, the carousel yeah go. that's right shane steichen uh the offensive coordinator goes to indianapolis and jonathan gannon the defensive coordinator goes to Arizona. I believe Steichen was calling the plays with the Eagles. Yeah, um, he was. So, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I always, I always look for that with you know guys who are offensive coordinators or even defensive coordinators who are actually calling the plays um, versus you know not having any game day, right. um, uh, not not responsibility, but like. You know, we saw with uh, Hackett in uh, Denver where he was calling the plays and also doing the head coaching stuff and was not able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Yeah. Not not that those <laughs> those two things are difficult to do together. Um, so not like walk and chew gum, more like walk on a tightrope and also 
I don't know, cook a steak or something, yeah, you know, right, like yeah, <laughs> two difficult things to do at the same time. Um, so let, I guess let's start with Indy. So what do you think about this for Indianapolis? I mean, I, d- does it indicate what their plans are at the quarterback position? Yeah, that's interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, do they want a Jalen Hurts clone or do they want to trade up? Do they want to not pick a quarterback and and try to do a Jalen Hurts type thing where they pick uh, somebody lower in the draft? I I don't know. I think Uh, this means they're going after Bryce Young. Interesting. You think they're, they're going to jump up to number one? I think they're going to try to pair, yeah, pair a coach that just coached a player that was successful in the in a similar college system, um, and mm-hmm. as, as uh, Jalen Hurts. So um, I think that's that's the that's that's my conspiracy theory here. Okay, I, I mean, I I don't think it's I don't think it's that conspiratorial i think that you know indy makes sense as a trade-up because they're in the they're still in the top five and so chicago would be trading back far they need a quarterback um i think they wouldn't get one of the top two obviously sitting at five necessarily um unless things got really weird uh so that makes sense completely to me um that would really jump start his his tenure there they don't have a lot of assets on offense. Uh, Jonathan Taylor obviously is good, but you know, he's at a, at running back. They had a decent offensive line, but it's, it's pretty much fallen off. So um, a dynamic young quarterback would really, really start off his, his career there quite yeah. well. And I wonder if he's signing on because, you know, you, you don't have that many chances to take that opportunity. And they interviewed a lot of people and I wonder if he went there because he knew what they were planning on doing. Yeah, I, I think a lot of these guys, they, they they don't go... Whenever there's a, a quarterback question mark, we said this with, with uh, Nathaniel Hackett going to the Jets, I don't think these guys are making those decisions without having a clear understanding of what the team's quarterback plan is. Yeah. I mean that I mean if you're in an interview, right? They're interviewing you, you are are interviewing yes. them, right? Just like any other job. You know, that's going to be your number one question if you're interviewing for the head coach, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> you know, what's your plan A, B, and C here? Uh, you know, because I'm not if you don't have a plan, like I'm not I'm not signing up for this, you know? Yeah. So let's go ahead. No, 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 that's it. That's it. Okay. So let's talk about the other one. Uh, Jonathan Gannon uh, to Arizona. We haven't seen a lot of success lately with defensive minded coaches. Right. Um, Defensive minded coaches in the playoffs this year. I can't even think of any. I mean, Robert Sala, obviously, of the Jets, they just missed out. They were close, but uh, um, close. I think everybody was was an offensive-minded uh, yeah. coach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that in itself is interesting to me. And second of all, 
uh, Arizona obviously comes with the baggage of um, Kyler Murray, where managing <laughs> Kyler Murray is your most important job because you're, he's your most important player is paid your most is, you know, uh, historically, you know, infamous for not studying the playbook. Uh, so, you know, what is the offense around Kyler going to look like? How are you going to manage him from a personnel perspective? Those are the questions that really come up there for a defensive coach in Gannon. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. This one, this one seems a little, I mean, I, all right. Well, I guess the guy I'm sure earned it. Number one defense in the league. Um, you know, so like, I'm not saying that he didn't, he didn't earn it. Um, and you're pretty, you're, you always remind me, you know, there's only 32 of these. So like, you gotta, you gotta take them when they're there. Um, this just, I don't know. This doesn't seem like the best, the best match. Is that the word I'm looking for? Like, yeah. and that yeah. maybe like, I don't know, Eric Bieniemy would have been a good choice for for those guys to tap into all the, you know, sort of athletic potential that Kyler Murray has. Right. Yeah. I mean, this one, this one is a weird fit. You know, Arizona doesn't have great pieces on their defense right now. Um, they have obviously a top pick that they'll probably use on one of the top defenders in the draft. Uh, but I just, I don't know, especially after Gannon's defense really got pretty much torched by Patrick yeah. Mahomes. It's not like he, you know, like if um, when Steve Spagnuolo was hired by the Rams, he just came off that master class where they, they upset the Pats with, you know, uh, all of the pass rushers and all of the designs and stuff like that. So that you could see like, oh, he's riding high. He's got a great, you know, defensive design and all that stuff. And this is kind of like, okay, well, you know, they just got, you know, no shame in giving up that many points to, um, to Kansas city, but you know, it just seems, seems a little strange. Yeah. It's it just it strange definitely fit. leaves an interesting taste. Yes. Yes. Let's say that. Um, all right. So let's go to the, the other carousel. That's also oh, spinning nearby. You love the, the quarterback. The, you love yourself a good carousel. Almost I, as much as I you do. love a good draft. I feel like. So I, I, I went to, um, in, uh, near here, there's a, a mall that has a, uh, a carousel that's actually two stories. So you can go up on the second story of the carousel. Wow. A double so, decker. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of how I'm picturing this, this carousel coaches on one level quarterbacks on the other level. Um, yeah. Quite fun. We uh, can break this down. Like uh, the, the big quarterback <laughs> with it. They're like the, they're like those, the horses. And then, yes. you know, the, yeah. like the Andy Dalton's are like the benches that are on the carousel. Yeah. You know, no one really wants yeah. to go on those. Everyone wants a horse, but inevitably yeah. you're going mean, you to gotta... have somebody end up on the, on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going on a carousel, you want to, you want to get the thing that goes up and down. You don't want to sit on the thing. That's, that's still that's stationary. That, that, yeah, it cuts out half the fun. Um, so I guess while we're using carousel metaphors, the, the horse, the, the biggest horse, uh, on the carousel uh, is currently somewhere without uh, light. 
uh, in Aaron Rodgers uh, taking a uh, vacation of some sort where he doesn't uh, doesn't engage with any light or anything else and somebody drops him food or something who knows um but yeah, i love this by is... the way i think it's awesome <laughs> it. yeah I, I mean like you know i i dig the just in general like the mindfulness piece of things and like this is taking it you know this is some uh what do you call it like some um i don't know some some ritualistic um I, I can't think of the word I'm 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 looking for, but it it's uh, almost like religious in in nature. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's yeah. You do you like great. I'm sure I'm sure it is a a life changing experience to sit in a dark room for four days. Like <laughs> yeah, you're gonna come out a completely different human being. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, so I think the the two the two teams that are are in the running in the top of the running for this is um, the Las Vegas Raiders and the New York Jets. Um, yeah, I think there's still there's still a, a trade that has to happen. So the Packers still have some uh, power here, and so it seems like they don't want to send them to somebody in the NFC. So those two AFC teams are the the favorites the betting favorites and the favorites in my mind, I think you as a Jets fan, Tim, I wanted to get your perspective on this. If we haven't talked about this yet, uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, you, you give up some draft picks for Aaron Rodgers. What, what's your, how are you feeling? What's the temperature? I guess it depends on what the draft picks are. I, I mean, I, I don't think it should be two number ones. Um, I, I don't think that's the case at all. I, I think it should be a one, this year probably and then I don't know maybe a two the following like I don't I really don't think it's it's a um what do you call it a um a Russell Wilson scenario um I I wouldn't be surprised if this deal is is done already and we're just waiting for the the legal you know time for it to happen um I don't, you know, I don't understand the Las Vegas Raiders piece of it. Like Aaron Rodgers probably has, um, I don't know, what's is it fair to say two to three more years left? Yeah, uh, they're not, they're not, they're not a, a quarterback away. Their defense needs some rework. Um, so, like, I, I think if I'm Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to go to a team that still has some rebuilding to do. I want to go to the team that is is the quarterback away, and that's the, that's the Jets. I don't know. Does he have that kind of that kind of say over it? Does he have a no trade clause that he can determine where he goes? Essentially, I would I would guess that he does based based only on seniority. I believe he he would have some okay some say sure. in it. Yeah. Um, um, the only thing that is, if I am wrong and I, I've been known to be that, uh, when prognosticating these things, um, and that a deal is not already in place, it makes the Derek Carr the next horse on the carousel. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. he can sign right now. Yeah. He's free. Free. He got cut by the Raiders. Um, after he said, I'm not going to agree to any trades, nor should he. 
um, because now he gets to pick his own place and the, and the Raiders don't get any compensation for him. Um, So, you know, kind of twisting the knife there as well. Um, This one is interesting. Obviously, you know, he visited the saints before he was a free agent. And I saw that the Panthers were also linked to him. Um, What do you think? What do you think about this one? So, Again, it's it's like what do you you know? So if the Jets are not going to wait for the air, don't want to wait for the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes, they they better move fast on Derek Carr. Um, I don't know. He he doesn't he. So the big knock on on him uh, is something about like cold weather games. So if you if he was concerned about that, then somewhere like the Panthers is a better. Um, a, a little bit of a better fit. Um, I don't know where else he would go because he too is not really going to want to be a part of a rebuilding process. So what other teams are that quarterback away? Is it is it the commanders? Are they cl- are they close? Um, do you want to go to that division because now you're competing? Um, with Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, so like, I, I don't, he, it, it's, it, it's a wild card. And I'm not quite sure where, where it goes. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, look, just looking at the, uh, the, the lines, Saints and Panthers are the favorites. Um, next up is actually the Titans, which would be an interesting destination. Um, because, you know, obviously Tannehill is also on the on the carousel. Uh, Malik Willis hasn't, to this point, worked out how they had hoped, uh, or maybe not how they had hoped because he was a third round pick. But yeah, it was they, a flyer. Yeah, um, how they maybe uh, were hoping, <laughs> different than hope, hoping uh, that he would he would you know take a step forward uh, this season, which he did not. So. Um, also, the Bucks on the list there. Um, before you know, that's other teams. an interesting so, one too now because they're in play. Yeah. Obviously, um, yeah. that one might be that one might be a, a bit of a. But I, I don't know. I guess they have got some coaching turmoil going on. Right. So, ugh, that's kind. Of, it can it can yeah. be viewed as a mess. Uh, yeah. So one team. I believe um, hired a former Oakland offensive coordinator. Uh, let's see, oh boy, let's see who was it. Uh, the Jets hired it. somebody that had ties to him. The former um, Titans. Maybe it was offensive coordinator. Yeah, I'm trying to find it, and Google is failing me. But I believe there is one team that hired um, uh, offensive coordinator from Oakland. And I'm wondering if it's Tampa Bay. Um, I don't remember hearing um, the news of their hires. Oh, so, okay, the Buccaneers hired... uh, Geno Smith's uh, quarterback coach. So that one is interesting as well. Geno Smith 
I think we're both assuming stays in Seattle, but that one, um, boy, that wouldn't one that be is, wild if he went and linked up with Todd Bowles, man, like the, like the good old days, <laughs> like the good old days. Jeez. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm lost. I, I thought somebody hired Derek Carr's former offensive coordinator. Uh, it wasn't Tampa Bay, but anyway, um, you know, anybody in the NFC South honestly looks interesting, even Atlanta. But uh, so with Tennessee on the list, let's uh, let's go to Tannehill. Tannehill being kind of a a little bit of a, you know, he's kind of a, a bridge quarterback, a mediocre guy, a placeholder. Um, I think he's still a know, horse. Pick, I mean, I think, you know, in a in a he's not somebody that you want to rely on to move your offense down the field. But if you have a you know, uh, a good team that relies on the defense and, you know, yeah. allows him to kind of do what, do what he does. I think he's, can be a, can be a quote unquote game manager, uh, you know, uh, type out there. I don't know where he's going to land, but just like on the carousel, if somebody misses out on Carr and Rogers and uh, Garoppolo, like, you know, he might be looking pretty interesting to somebody like the saints, uh, you know, around draft time if all of the other quarterbacks get get homes you know yeah so i think this will be the third maybe the third of a fourth domino to fall garoppolo being the other person that would be third or fourth um and he'll yeah so he'll go to whichever teams kind of missed out on the the aaron Rodgers and uh, Derek carr sweepstakes yeah um yeah, and put Garoppolo in that tier as well. I think, you know, coming off an injury, uh, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks play well in San Francisco. Be interesting to see how he does outside of San Francisco. I don't have a lot of uh, insight on where he'll land. I got him I think... slated for the for the Raiders. That's my that's my okay. thought. Yeah. I, I think I think that one certainly makes sense. Uh, I don't remember if McDaniels was his Yeah. Was at the was he at um, New England when yep, Garoppolo was, was there? He was the coordinator. Yeah. Okay, so that that is a good connection there, certainly, and kind of would fit with uh, you know the team, a good quarterback who's still relatively young, so not not somebody that's a win now uh, must be a win now guy. So that yeah. I think that kind of fits. In here, you put. A name we don't know yet. Yeah, Do you have so speculative names who, that are, are going to jump so on the carousel. Who's going to be on the carousel two weeks, three weeks from now that we don't know yet? What do you think? Like, who's going to shake loose? You know, I think I might have mentioned the one that I think is is the name that's out there. That's Geno Smith. Right. I think he had a good year, comeback player of the year. Um, but I think most people assume that he's going to re-sign with Seattle. But I think there could be some some saber rattling there to get uh, get the right deal for both sides. So I think there could be some speculation that he shakes loose. Like Tampa Bay hired his former quarterbacks coach, right? They would probably love to have him uh, come on down to the all the way across the country. So I think that might be the person that maybe hints at jumping on the carousel, mm. but in the end maybe doesn't. So I'm thinking maybe there's sense. a Daniel Jones 
mm. emergence uh, somehow, somewhere um, in the carousel. Um, well, I, I think I think we're missing I think we're missing an elephant in the room, which is Lamar Jackson. Um, that that could be the other one, right? If, uh, he's still, yeah, he's a he's a he's a free agent, but they could tag him and force the, a team to trade two first round picks for him. Um, and then sign him to a big deal, so that would be quite an outlay. But the, as we've talked about, the the uh, demand is high, and the supply is pretty low. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, if you're trading multiple first round picks for, um, and signing a big deal for Russell Wilson, you know, I think somebody would do the same for Lamar Jackson. So that that was the one that I think is going to kind of trickle out where they're going to tag him. Um, but he may like force a trade somehow. Um, so that, that one I think is going to be super interesting because he's not out there yet, but it, it wouldn't take much for him to just jump right on that carousel. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting, an interesting name that could, that absolutely could emerge. Yeah. Would you, I guess let's ask this question before we jump onto to baseball is would you trade two first and, uh, uh, basically a Deshaun Watson type deal for Lamar Jackson. No. Okay. Would yeah. You? I think you, boy, oh boy. Uh, if I didn't have a quarterback, if I was a team without a quarterback, I think I would just because that changes everything for you. Let's say right? you have the option to trade two firsts for Lamar Jackson or two firsts to get one of the two studs, uh, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. What are you doing? Mm, I think I, I think I go for the guys from the draft. Yeah, same. Um, I think Lamar Jackson is still quite young, but um, running quarterbacks, quarterbacks that do run, um, I think the uh, time that they are at their peak won't be as high as a, a player like Rodgers or Brady who don't run and minimize getting hit. Right. So that's the big worry I have from Lamar Jackson. But I think, you know, you plug him onto a good team and, you know, I think you have a dynamic quarterback that changes everything about your team, the excitement level, everything. Like if you're the owner, like you're selling jerseys, you're selling sweets, you're selling everything when he comes to your team. So that, that makes a big difference. Um, and I, th- I think we're going to hear his name a lot, certainly in speculation, uh, because I don't believe that he's going to sign a franchise uh, tag to stay with the Ravens. So either they get a deal, a long-term deal done that's palatable, or they tag him and he he goes he goes for two first round picks. Yeah, jeez. All right, so we've got some right. mystery names there. We got some mystery names. All right, so let's uh, let's jump over to baseball here, uh, because with the Super Bowl being over, that means it's uh, baseball season. Yeah, a couple uh, days away from pitchers and catchers reporting. So you listed here, um, and I don't have them in front of me, but I know a couple off the top of the head. So I'll I'll kick this over to you. So baseball is changing a couple rules this year. Yes. Um, do you want? Do you? I'll let you go ahead and. Uh, and kick this off. 
Okay, so the you know the key ones and just give me give me do you like it like it dislike it don't care how about that okay um the shift being banned uh like it and why i think the thing about baseball that i dislike is that every team has gone to the same approach, mm-hmm. which is strikeouts and home runs, right? And that doesn't make, even home runs are very exciting, but I think that doesn't make for as exciting of a product. I enjoy when there's guys running around the bases, there's a play, you know, a, a good defensive play, there's a lot of balls in play and action, yes. right? Um, so hypothetically speaking, I don't know if this is necessarily, uh, you know, uh, bear out in any evidence, but I guess we'll see this year that without the shift players will can where they, they will or not. I don't know. Can put the ball in play more and get um, hits more into their wheelhouse, not have to kind of do a, a weird, you know, single off, off the, the end of the bat, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think I, I think I like it too. Um, I think it will it will encourage the fewer all or nothing kind of swings that we see. Yep. Um, yep. So if that's the case, and the ball is going in play more, and it results in some more base runners, then I'm all for it. Okay. So, uh, right. and like people are people say like. You know, it's it's not you know natural. Well, you know, MLB's changed the rules a million times in in its a hundred and some odd year history. So I'm not, I'm not worried about like being a baseball purist on on some of these things. Um, yep. Pitch timer. So the rule: um, there will be a thirty second pitch timer between batters, fifteen seconds between each pitch when the bases are empty, twenty seconds between each pitch when runners are on and the like sort of big caveat with this is that the pitcher is allowed two quote unquote disengagements, meaning a step off or pickoff attempt without there being any kind of repercussions. A third disengagement is a balk per, per batter per batter. That is per batter. Okay. Um, so, uh, I don't just like it. I love it. There's nothing to me. I remember. So, uh, this was a few years ago and there was a pitcher on the Cardinals. Gosh, I don't remember his name. Um, but he was the slowest pitcher that in the history of the world. Um, and I remember going for a run for, I don't know, half an hour or something. And there was a one, two, three inning that basically took that entire run um, because he was so long in between pitches. Um, Edwin Jackson, I think. Oh my goodness. Was. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. That's so, movie. yeah. And so they uh, found in the minors that this is 20 minutes shorter uh, once they implemented the pitch clock. So I am for it. I think again, less time, just people standing around, more time moving, throwing, running. 
that's what you want to see on your TV. And, and I think like it adds an element of strategy that's new to the game, which is the, you have to really be uh, intentional about your disengagements. You can't just step off to, you know, wipe sweat off your brow or you can't just throw over, you know, at, you, can't throw you, over a million, you can't throw over a million times with this, right? You can only throw over twice. Yeah, you throw right? over twice. Now that runner has know you're going a the, massive yeah. lead attempt because if you disengage Ooh. and don't get him out, yeah. it's a balk. He's so, going anywhere. He's going a second anyway. Oh, I love that. I didn't even think about that before, but I like that little wrinkle because yeah. that yeah, that if that leads to more stolen bases, more guys were running. I love it. Right. And then the the big one pun intended that I didn't actually intend is that <laughs> the, uh, the bases are going to be bigger. So they are 18 inches as opposed to 15 inches, which means that the distance between, um, I don't think, I, don't, I mean, that'll be interesting. Like, what, what is that going to mean for the distance? Like, um, Three inches difference, so closer. The bases will be a few inches closer. closer. Um, So, what do we think about this? the The big uh, thing that was in the news was that the Red Sox manager um, said they look like pizza boxes on the ground. (laughs) Um, I I'm going to say I'm for this one. Uh, I think the first and foremost, I think it's really for injuries right so you can have a first baseman put his foot on the bag and the runner can also put his foot on the bag and nobody's getting their foot stepped on or twisted or whatever um but you know with everything just a little bit closer and with that disengagement rule that you just talked about um making stolen bases more capable i mean because if so it's actually four and a half inches between first and second and second and third Okay, right. So yeah, it would be less, you know, more like three to uh, to the other one. So yes. I mean, I guess four and a half inches doesn't sound like a lot, but I think if you thought about a player getting his glove down four and a half inches before the player got to the base, that would look pretty big, right? Like that's the size of a whole glove, yeah. right? We've seen plenty of stolen bases attempts that are not uh, that are much closer than that. So I think. Uh, opening up stolen base opportunities. Cool. That's um, cool. Uh, I, I I like it. I mean, I think safety is important, but this is an interesting wrinkle that um, I don't think visually you'll notice, but maybe um, maybe with the pickoff rules and we get more stolen bases and more guys running, I, I like that. I, I think that is going to be the biggest benefit of these new rules is getting more guys in movement on the bases. Yep. So, yep. And I agree. I, I like that. I like to see guys moving. I like to see balls in play. I, I like to see shorter games. Like these, these all work for me. I th- and I don't think that they're major, uh, major changes. I think they're just, uh, yeah, I think they're just little tweaks that every league does every year, you know? Yep. Um, and baseball, to their credit, does a better job than say the NFL about these tweaks where we don't just hear about them week one. We see, oh, 
you know, they're, they're very public right. about what, what these we're going to start calling this penalty. Yeah. Right. right. Um, yeah, it certainly will make spring training games interesting because these things are going to come up in like enforcement is going to come up in players adjusting to them. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how everyone kind of scrambles initially when yep. this happens. So, yeah, should be, yeah, should should be a little chaos at the beginning, which I always like to see a little bit of weirdness. That's yes. always fun. All right, yeah, that's that's it on okay. the on the baseball rules. Okay, so uh, you know the next one for you, yes. since you're you're our, you're our golf correspondent. Is PJ Genesis one of the new big money PJ events? Is that coming up? Yeah, so that's this weekend. It's it's always been there, the Genesis Open, but this is one of those. Um, like, uh, as I understand it, it's one of the four PGA um, non-major tournaments that is receiving a much larger prize purse in a way to combat the defections to live. Okay. So this will start tomorrow morning. Tiger Woods is playing in it. Uh, it'll be the first time he's played um, in, in a PGA event um, since, uh, since the open championship last year. So that's kind of a new, or um, I'm sorry, that's, um, that's a side story that's, that's here, but yeah, there's, I guess there's like, a lot of buzz about both of those things that like, this is, this is the, you know, tiger's back for this one and everyone's kind of pumped about that. But then also like big money's on the line. And this is a tournament in February that all the big names are popping out to come to now because that big money existed. So this is kind of what, what the, um, I think, I think I read that 21 of the top 25 players are participating in, in the tournament, which usually like at this stage of, of the golf season, I, I don't believe that happens. So, um, we should get, we should get a good show, um, out of this one, just like, just like last weekend. So I think that that's, that's pretty much it on, on the golf. Okay. Okay. Uh, so other than that, PJ Genesis, is there anything else? As a matter of fact, oh, Super it, Bowl that you're keeping your eye on? Well, I, 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 um, I guess it's not really like live sports, but um, I always look forward to the mic'd up uh, like Super Bowl edits that oh, interesting. the NFL puts out. Um, I try to watch those every year, um, and so I, I assume that's going to be in the next couple of days. But really, the um, have you seen anything about this Netflix show called Full Swing? So that's one that they did one about tennis and this is about the the golfers kind of they they have them they follow them follow their lives yeah so i'm i'm as i'm understanding it they had a very successful television show on f1 that yes like a lot of people got into and so they replicated something similar with tennis and now they're doing it or have done it with um with golf and i believe the trailer um, it, well, it played as I w- popped on Netflix earlier. Um, and I, I think it's getting behind the scenes in particular in that sport. You know, I'd love to get, I, I love watching those golf tournaments where the golfers are mic'd up and they're talking about, or like 
when you catch the hot mics of what the caddies and golfers are saying to each other. It's just like, to me, that's really cool as a, like somebody who is a not very good golfer to like watch and like look <laughs> at the conversations that they're having. Um, and so like getting, just getting behind the sport a little bit, um, I think it's going to be a cool experience. So I'm looking, looking forward to trying to watch some of those episodes. Yeah. And I, 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 I agree with you because I think that's, that's interesting because especially um, with, with major sports, you know, they have um, video of what happened in the locker room. They have, you know, Mike boom mics over the huddles and stuff like that. And you, you don't necessarily have that much access to, you know, their day to day and uh, how it, uh, how it affects, you know, how they play and, and how they plan. So that, that definitely uh, looks like a good watch. So the Super Bowl is over. So everybody has a lot more time on their hands. So yep. keep your eyes glued to full swing on Netflix this week and keep your ears glued to Dynasty Sports Empire, the podcast. And we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Netflix, hit us up. That's yeah. That's, sponsored content we're pretty much bringing you all the subscriptions right now yeah 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 get those get those subscriptions to netflix yep i mean it, this all this works in a lot of ways because I, I own a few shares of, of netflix stock so i i'm really just advertising for myself here so. <laughs>